On this episode of the Break in the Game Show, Austin and I discuss Steph Curry climbing up the all-time three-pointers made leaderboard, which gets us into our Mount Rushmore of shooters. And then we close out with our pass or shoot segment where we talk about whether or not Bradley Bill will be dealt out of Washington or should LeBron James have been assessed for a flagrant two against Joel Embiid. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this break. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Break in the Game Show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. You know me, Stephen Gillespie, co-host here at the Break in the Game Show. And joining me, as he always does, is my partner in crime, the best co-host on planet Earth, Mr. Austin Carr. Austin, what's up, brother? Well, not too much. Thank you for that great intro, Stephen. That was nice uh, nice of you to say. I don't know if it's true, but I'll take it. <laughs> um, I'm having a good day. It's kind of been a busy day. Uh, you know, getting ready for a, a busy weekend. So excited to be able to do this with you. How about you? How's your day going? Oh man, life's good. Uh, just for everybody who caught up with us a couple days ago, we did a Kobe Bryant slash, you know, Sekou Smith Memorial show that aired on, you know, the nothing going to end channel here on dash radio. And it was a good time, you know, untangling thoughts, feelings, emotions, all that, you know, stuff, normalizing, you know, grieving and how it looks different and reflecting on the, um, you know, the incredible lives of the two gentlemen. And, you know, we'll try to do our best as we move forward here on the show, honoring them by the way that we approach the game with that Mamba mentality and doing our due diligence and loving what we do in the same respect that Sekou Smith did. But with that being said, Austin, we have a cool show lined up. You, of course, thought of a lot of the topics today. So <laughs> I'll go ahead and let you shine and turn well, this first you. topic over to you. You thought that it was important. And before I continue to gloat about you, our good friend, Mo Murphy, who has been on the show, came in and said, it looks like goats that he sent us. It could be cats, but either way, I'm a cool cat or I'm a goat. I think it's a goat. goat. Right on. Well, I appreciate you, Mo. It could be a ram. Very fitting. You are a ram, Sam. I do love the rams. Thank you very much. But I appreciate you, Mo. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we love all of our listeners and viewers and supporters all the same so thank you very much for tuning in here mo but back to you austin the true goat here on the show you came up with uh, a player who is ascending in the all-time leaderboard as if he needed any more recognition or accolades than he already has we're referring to mr stephen curry of the golden state warriors who past another true legend of the game mr reggie miller this touches home for you you know in the heart of indiana you know i I think this is why you really brought it up i didn't think about it that much until i was getting ready here for the show but stephen curry passed reggie miller on the all-time nba leaderboards for three points made for a career what do you think of you know mr reggie miller the the guy who did the you know the choking symbol in the middle of a game you know ice in his veins you know, what do you think about Reggie Miller getting passed by the great Stephen Curry? Well, I mean, it was bound to happen. I mean, if you look at the way Steph shoots now, you know, just the volume, you know, that they shoot with nowadays versus when Reggie played. I mean, I don't think he has a season in the last almost decade where he took less threes per game than Reggie Miller did in his season where he took his most. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's taking about eight threes a game for his career. Uh, you know, Reggie Miller for for you know comparison's sake took 4.7 for his career so it was a little bit different time so it was it was bound to happen and honestly I'll, I'll be the first to admit growing up i wasn't a reggie miller fan even though being from indiana and, and yes. you know those pacers teams um i just i didn't really follow the pacers then but uh when he did when i did find out that he had the record you know i i at, at one time before ray allen passed him uh, I, I thought that was pretty interesting and to be totally honest, that um, hate to say it because of uh, partially because of the network we're on with everybody at Off the Ball Network, but uh, watching that winning time documentary, the thirty for thirty about him, really, really kind of made me love Reggie Miller. So uh, I, I, I guess if it had to be against the Knicks, it could have happened against a, a a better opponent for now for my for everybody on the network. But it was definitely fun to watch. Um, I liked the whole back and forth thing with. Uh, um, Spike Lee on the sideline there. So 
I always thought that was a pretty fun uh, little rivalry there. Reggie Miller was awesome. Um, you know, he's definitely still one of the greatest shooters of all time. But, you know, Steph is probably the greatest shooter of all time. So if he's going to be passed by anybody, being passed by guys like Ray Allen and, and Steph Curry is, you know, about as good as it gets. Yeah, and I was actually listening to um, Sirius XM Radio, uh, a lot of the NBA channels. One of the guys, I think it was uh, Scal and uh, uh, what's his name? Frank Isola. Frank Isola, thank you. They were interviewing Reggie Miller, who for now is uh, number one all-time in three-pointers made. And he was talking about back when he and Reggie played, you couldn't only take threes. And not saying that Curry only takes threes, but... <laughs> the majority of his shot selection do fall under that three point shot, you know? So a lot of people were criticized for taking too many. So you had guys like Ray Allen, people forget Ray Allen. You could attack the basket and yam one on top of your head. You mm-hmm. know, Reggie Miller was not only a three point shooter, but had one of the sweetest mid range shots, you know, coming off of the baseline, you know, those high elbow cuts and rolls and things like that. You know, all those patterns that he ran in that mid range game. That's where the majority of his shots came from was inside the three point line. It just so happened that he could pull that shot off from basically anywhere, you know, in the nineties and, do it with great success, Austin. Uh, the one thing that I kind of see a lot in common between Reggie Miller and and Steph Curry is this idea that you, you I'm sure I'm sure you've heard this before. People talk about right, uh, you know, Steph bringing out that flamethrower and just yeah. all you know, just firing in three or four buckets all right in a row. Reggie Miller kind of had that ability too, you know, where just in the blink of an eye, those guys can can kind of turn the score of a game with with the way they shoot and how how quick they can just you know rack up points on you in no time and they both kind of did that f- uh, from time to time a lot in their careers you know obviously Steph's still doing it but but Reggie did that for a long time i mean almost all the big you know pacers moments in the playoffs revolve around him you know, hitting uh, hitting a few shots. You know, of course, you have the what was it like nine nine points in seven seconds or or whatever it was <laughs> to to win that game against the Knicks. It, it was just mm-hmm. insane. So you know, there's all kinds of of stories like that, and we've seen Steph do it time and time again, where it's it's like almost excites the crowd the way a, a breakaway dunk used to, where you know he gets open on a on a fast break and and comes up and and pulls a three before half the team's even back down there. And, and like you said, that guys used to get kind of, you know, almost shamed for doing that. Or, you know, you'd get in trouble in the huddle if you came down on a fast break and shot a three before anybody was there to rebound or before you threw it inside. So it's definitely the overall numbers are going to be skewed to a certain extent from here on out, I feel like. But, you know, obviously these guys are still the best of the best. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about Steph Curry, you just want to appreciate his greatness here for a second. We already mentioned that he's second all time and made three pointers in a single season or for a single career, excuse me, an individual career. He he passed uh, Reggie Miller on January 23rd against the Utah Jazz, who, despite being on the wrong side of that, you know, individual accolade, the Utah Jazz have been surging of late. I want to keep pushing the Jazz into the limelight because they appear to be real, ladies and gentlemen. Curry right now is sixth all-time in three-point percentage for a career at 43.32%. He has five of the top ten most three-pointers in a single game performances. Literally half of the top ten of games that have the most three-pointers in NBA history belong to Steph Curry, including first at 402 in the 2015-16 season. Then he's tied for second for most three-pointers in a single game with 13. Austin, who is he tied with? Do you know? Putting you on the spot uh, here. Is it um, 13 in a game? Is it Daniel Marshall? No, sir. That's a no. good guess, though. That's a good is guess. Is it Clay? Nope. Clay has the I, most with I 14. I don't know that. It's, it? it's your favorite player in the NBA, Zach Levine. He is tied with he is tied with Steph Curry Zach with 13. Levine. Wow. Yep, tied for tied with 13 in a single game. So I do Austin, like Zach Yeah, go running down that list of individual three point just three point accolades, not everything else that he's done. You know, it it's rare error what we're watching right now in the NBA with him. 
Well, it's it's unreal. Just the like we like we've been talking about the volume at which he shoots, but also the length. Like I'd love to see how many thirty five foot threes he has compared to everybody else in the NBA. Because other than him and other than maybe Damian Lillard, you know, I think Lillard got, actually has him beat in like yeah. thirty plus. But still, <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like, and Damian Lillard's incredible at it too. I, I just I you know I'm sure you know as the as the distance goes out, his percentages don't really seem to go down. And and just some of the stuff he even does pregame, his little pregame warm up thing that he does is just incredible. You know, he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons, eight seasons where he shot above ninety percent from the free throw line, too. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that you know I kind of looked at when I was looking at you know best shooters of all time when we were kind of trying to come up with you know what we have for later on in the show, but. Um, so, you know, he's just it's greatness at every level from from Steph for sure. Yeah, and if and this was another uh-huh. one of your, you know, pet projects that you wanted to bring up here on today's show. We're, speaking of, you know, Steph Curry passing the great Reggie Miller, we felt that it would be appropriate to go through our Mount Rushmore shooters. Now, everybody's familiar with the Mount Rushmore concept, you know, especially when you're talking about the Mount Rushmore of the NBA, you know, do you include LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kareem, you know, whoever else is your fourth or fifth or whoever, you know, you you have so many arguments that could be made here. We thought that it would be appropriate in honor of Steph, you know, Steph Curry climbing the leaderboards here to go through our Mount Rushmore shooters. Now, Austin, you and I have different criteria. I would love to hear you explain your thought process in evaluating who made your Mount Rushmore. Yeah, so I just started kind of going down the list of of you know the career leaders and made threes and three point percentage and then just guys that you know were known as incredible shooters in their time in the NBA and and that narrowed my list down to uh, to about 10 or 12 guys and then from there I didn't just go with you know okay these guys have the four best percentages or these guys have the four most made I kind of went with okay you know games on the line seasons on the line game seven of a playoff series or or the last game of the year to make the playoffs however you want to put it or game seven of the nba finals you know who do i want out of these guys to be the four guys that i would trust to make a three for me to win that game and and so i ultimately went with the two guys that we've been comparing with uh stephen curry and reggie miller Uh, but then i also added larry bird and clay thompson as my other two um, it was kind of hard to leave Ray Allen off. Um, it was hard. Very to interesting leave. Uh, omission there. I would love to hear kind of your your reasoning behind that. I just, I don't know. Just looking at the overall numbers. I mean, obviously he's number one or number. He's still number one right now. In and also threes. too, you considered like who do you want with the game on the line? I mean, how does it come yeah. on? I mean, Reggie has hit some of the biggest shots in NBA Finals history. You mean Ray? Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, uh, Ray. Excuse me. Yeah, you, know, you get one on there. I, I didn't, I didn't mean, mean what you knew. Um, I just feel like I couldn't leave Larry Bird off the list. I couldn't leave Steph Curry and I couldn't leave Reggie Miller. It, it came up between Clay Thompson and, and Ray Allen. And maybe it was just a little bit of recency bias because Clay Thompson has been doing it so much more recent. I don't know. Maybe that's what crept in. I just feel like with, with you know, a game on a line for with one shot, I, I don't know if, I would pick anybody over these four guys. It's just kind of a, it came down to personal, personal choice, I guess there. And, and I like, I like clay. I think I've seen, I've seen clay and, and clay and Larry kind of are in one category and Reggie and Steph are kind of in another where, where Reggie and Steph can get hot and just blow the roof off of a gym and, and hit four or five big shots in a row. Clay Thompson and, and Larry bird kind of just had like that, you know, that, perfectly repeatable stroke over and over again where they they could just step into any shot and make it at, at any time and like i said it was there was a lot of guys that was hard to hard to leave off it was hard to leave off steve nash it was hard to leave off dirk Nowitzki. i mean a little bit different style of shooter maybe dirk was but but he definitely you know was one of the most unstoppable shooters and and so it just kind of came down to you know my personal preference and those were my four Okay, so this is your Mount Rushmore who you like better as a shooter, not who actually is the better shooter. Let's just it was what I took as my Mount Rushmore of the best shooters in my eyes. Yeah. Okay. I understand. Who I wanted to have up there. I really wanted to put Clay Thompson in. I really, really did because and I think that he'll eventually make my Mount Rushmore. But Mm -hmm. if I'm looking today at 
who the best shooters in NBA history are. Love Larry Bird. Love, love, love Larry Bird. You talk about how it was different in Reggie Miller's time to take threes and, you know, at the at the multitude that he did. Imagine how much more so Larry Bird did. Well, and I, I just think the oh, – if please. Here's a, here's a good example of it. So uh, Steph's played 717 career games. Reggie, or, uh, Larry Bird played – just under 900, 897. Um, Larry Bird's made 649 threes and Steph has made 2,573. So it's a little mm-hmm. bit of a difference. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Kevin Simone on here. So Clay Thompson too soon kind of echo. And again, like Clay Thompson has probably one of the most repeatable shots in NBA history. He's had, you know, ridiculous games, ridiculous quarters, you know, number one in most three-pointers in a single game. He has that record. That Mm -hmm. isn't an exaggeration. That isn't something that you conjure up in your mind. Like, that's an actual thing. So, um, on my Mount Rushmore, right, I have Stephen Curry, obviously, and we ran down the list of reasons why. You know, he's second all-time and made threes. He has five of the ten most, you know, three-pointers made in a single game. He has five of that top ten. Tied for second in a single game with 13. So that's why I had Steph. And then our, our buddy Michael says, guys, love your talk. But Mount Rushmore would have to be consistently for at least 10 years or more. And again, this is a matter of preference. Michael, love your mm-hmm. opinion, thought process. I, I think that when I go down my list, you'll kind of agree with some of the guys that I have on here because they do have it. They do have that longevity piece on there, right? You know, that consistency piece, Michael, you're 100% right. So I do think that Steph Curry is consistent. As far as, you know, the repeatability of his shot and how how great he's been, you know, not only the longevity, but the frequency throughout that that period of time. Right. Just dominating that. So obviously, Steph Curry is in there. Uh, Ray Allen, he's also obviously first all time in three pointers made. How about this, Austin? He's tied for 47th in all time three point percentage at 40.02. He's tied for 38th in threes in a single game. And twenty second, I'm sorry, thirty eight in the single season, and twenty second for threes in a game. And again, you you kind of prorate this stuff out. You know, if you look at how he did in his time, especially when he was drafted, uh, you know, going down that that list. Um, my buddy, our buddy Kevin Samani came on Kyle Corver. If you hang on just a second, Kevin, I'm only on number two of my Mount Rushmore. You may like what you hear later. I don't know if I'm giving it away or not, Austin. But anyway, uh, Ray Allen, again, you talk about the ability to hit big shots. I mean, the the rebound and kick out to, you know, Ray Allen for Miami Heat. You know, right. he has literally helped not only his three-point shooting, but other people's, you know, career success. You know, the, the GOAT status of a LeBron James. You can put part of that on a guy like a Ray Allen. So I have Ray Allen on there. Reggie Miller who is third all-time in three-pointers made, 60th all-time in three-point percentage at 39.47. Listen to this, Austin. I just said that Ray Allen is tied for 47th at 40.02. All the way down at 60 is Reggie Miller at Mm 39.47. So you're talking about about half a percentage is separating 47 to 60. That's how great some of the shooters that we Mm -hmm. have in NBA history, where you're talking about a half a percentage accounts for a you know a 13 you know player divide in, in the leaderboard well, well, i remember looking at it and i think there was like 15 or 16 guys that were all at like 40 point something too <laughs> yeah. so you know like between 41 and 40 were like another 20 guys so correct crazy yeah. there's a big divide there you know reggie miller he is also tied for 38th for threes in a single season at 229 so he and Ray Allen, funny enough, are tied for made in a single season, which I thought was very appropriate. So he's my third. Then my fourth, Kevin, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit, but it's okay. I appreciate your viewer and listener- listenership sure. here on Breaking the Game on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Kyle Korver, fourth most all-time in three-pointers made. He's 11th in all-time three-point percentage at 42.87% for a career. He was drafted in 03, the same as LeBron James. He has a 42.87 career three-point percentage. He is tied for fourth most threes in a single season, and he has the highest three-point percentage for a single season at (laughs) 53.64%, Let me say that. In a single season, Kyle Korver recorded a three-point percentage 
of 53.64% in a single season. That's crazy. That is my Mount Rushmore, Austin. And I, I have no arguments, you know, for sure. Um, it's hard to hard to leave off any of these guys. You know, when we're we're talking about the very best of the of the very best, you know, there's really honestly about ten or twelve guys you could make an argument for. Um, you know, you're wanted four to, strong. I wanted to put Peja Suyakovich on right, him. not and, only because you know, like, of his ability to make them, but just how funky mm-hmm. looking his slingshot. Yeah, well, was, if you want to talk about shot. a funky shot, I was going to mention that earlier. Reggie Miller didn't have the prettiest shot. Reggie Miller kicked those feet out. His arms crossed over each other when he released the ball. It was weird, but it was pretty when he was making them. Uh, but, you know, Kyle Korver is another one that would, you know, kind of fit the bill of one of those guys that can just, you know, hit a shot over and over and over and over again all day long. Um, and, you know, a, another guy, maybe not as big of a name, um, uh, is uh, – Oh man, his his comment made me lose my train of thought. I did have Larry Bird in there, Stuart. <laughs> yeah, um, Stuart, if you're just now tuning in, for anybody just now tuning in, Austin just oh, gave Jason a quick, Capono. It was Jason, Jason Capono. Capono. Yes, he he's another played. one that was really really good. But he, you also consider that he was limited in his role. I wanted to bring up a true. Capono too, but he was more of a uh, specialty player. A lot of the guys yeah, that yeah. we're bringing up were starters all stars all nba but also for, for sure. anybody who's just now tuning in can you give a quick rundown of who made your uh, mountain rush yeah it was uh larry bird um reggie miller steph curry and uh who was clay thompson even clay thompson there you go clay thompson the, and you left off ray allen but i picked him up ray yeah, allen's on my ray team allen. i have ray allen steph curry reggie miller and Kyle Korver. And, it, mm-hmm. and like you said, there's so many guys. I, I love Steve Nash. He's a guy that, I, you know, I, I tried everything that I could to model my game after. Um, and, and our buddy Michael just wrote in, too. We're getting a lot of feedback here on the show. This mm-hmm. was this is a, a lot one. of fun. Yeah, Michael said, great list. Tough tough to call. You forgot Del Curry, Steph's dad. You could bring up him. You could bring up Steve Curry. You, you, could, you bring could bring up, up Steph's brother. Yep. Seth I mean, Curry, I think he's you, got the second best three point percentage wise. Yeah, I mean, for talk about talk about some career, shooters yeah. in the same family. Good How Lord. about Tim Legler? Mm-hmm. You could he's third best career three point percentage. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many guys that we could have on this list that you narrow it down to four. It's kind of like there's the All Star game. It's someone's getting quote unquote snubbed. You know, right. And and this is just like you said earlier, it's a matter of preference. You want to you rock the boat a little bit harder than I did. You know, to my credit, I picked the top mm-hmm. four most threes made in mm-hmm. <laughs> in NBA history. Kind of hard to argue with that, but I do appreciate you know you kind of projecting out uh, Clay Thompson because so far or so long as he you know can return from injury, uh, y- you know if if he can come back and play well. Mm-hmm. He's bound to be up there a lot too. And then our buddy Kevin wrote in, you know, choose between James Harden and Vince Carter. I think the answer would be James Harden. Austin, I would take say James you. Harden. I would take James Harden too, but you know, they're both up there for sure. I think I think Vince Carter's yeah. near the top, but he's probably partially because he played forever. And um, you know, and I he think, came in late too. He didn't yeah. come in as like a great three point shooter. I was he just going to say time. Jason Kidd's kind of the same way. I think Jason Kidd was like third or fourth when he retired, and mm-hmm. it was just partially he and he wasn't a good shooter when he came to the NBA either. Partially just you know being around a long time, and another part of it is is being able to you know adjust as your career goes on, which is you know not always easy as we're seeing from some guys this year. Yeah, I mean, and look at LeBron James; he's kind of developed into you know, an athletic freak of nature to now he's, you know, shooting over 40% from the three point line. Mm -hmm. So just when you think you can develop a scheme to kind of neutralize one of the greatest of all time, he, he zigs when everyone else is trying to zag to him Mm -hmm. and he's dropping threes over the top of people's heads. Yeah, that is true. He had seven the other night and he had six, not long before that they might've been in back-to-back games. I'm not sure, but there might've been one in between, but you know, he's been, he's been shooting lights out recently as well too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that wraps up our Mount our Mount Rushmore segment. That was kind of hard to say really fast. Sometimes my mouth works faster than my brain, but that's okay. Yeah, it's I, okay. I feel like I'm speaking to some people who have that kind of same problem. <laughs> but Austin, again, you're just you're so smart. I just want to take a second just to say how smart you are. You can't you you decided 
yeah, you know, I, I'm trying to help you out. But anyways, you. you know, Thank you. you're so smart. You came up with the idea of, hey, we should talk about, you know, Steph Curry climbing the three point leaderboard. And then from there you said, OK, well, let's get into our Mount Rushmore of shooters. That'll be a fun segment and a lot of people, you know, positive feedback. So you're being yeah, definitely proven, you're being proven to be, you know, even more intelligent than I thought. And I thought that you were, you know, super Ooh, smart. And now. There. Another brainchild of yours that's becoming a regular staple here on the show. We're getting into our new segment, Pass or Shoot. Now, Austin, since this is your project, this is your, you know, kind of you're the brainchild of this operation here. Will you please explain to the listeners what the rules and the, you know, kind of the premise of Pass or Shoot is? So, yeah, Pass or Shoot is just it's kind of like a any any radio show that you've listened to that does like a, you know, a, just a true or false kind of thing, you know. Are, do you believe this storyline to be true? If, if you do, then you, we're going to shoot. And if you want to pass that off and you don't think it's necessarily the case or something that's too overblown or something that you don't think will happen, you just, uh, you know, you go ahead and pass on it and move on to the next one. So. All right. Yeah. And, and just real quick, Michael, he's mm -hmm. been a very active, uh, you, know, you know, he's been very involved in our show. He says, you know, mm -hmm. I'm sharing this. He's a basketball historian. So he goes back a lot of years. Would love to come onto the show and talk old school versus new school. That might be fun. I think that would be pretty interesting. He says that he also has personal experience playing against Dr. J and Nate Archibald, et cetera. So that just means that those are the top guys that he's probably played with some other pretty prominent mm -hmm. NBA figures. Sounds just like him. Yeah, we definitely got to hit up Michael and have him on the I, show. I agree. And, we'll have to have him on for sure. And he gives us a virtual pat on the back saying, good job, Thank you. guys. Thank you so much, Michael. I really appreciate that. So back to pass or shoot you just got done explaining pass means and we're not buying this shoot means okay we're all in we believe it there this is one in ten i typically leave and live in that you know two through nine that i like to say but i can't do that because you're you're bringing me out of my element and michael also says he played against pat ewing so he was he didn't make the first list you know he didn't make the mm -hmm. dr Jay, nate archibald list he was you know oh, he's he just, second tier He's an afterthought, so no that's ring. pretty cool. We gotta have we gotta have Michael on the show to talk <laughs> yes, about. Yes, it is for sure. We'll have to have him on. Definitely sounds <laughs> like you. fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, so pastor shoot. Do we buy it? Do we not? You're getting me out of my element. I have to go one way or the other. I can't examine both. I can't talk my way through both. We're kind of going through morning sports, you know, type vibes here. But you know, just mm -hmm. kind of bear with me. I'll try to I'll try to play along the best I can. So <laughs> Austin, I want to get you going first, man. Since you're on such a roll today. The first one, the Bill deal, is Bradley Bill going to be dealt before the trade deadline, or does he roll through through free agency if, so, if he so choose? So is Bradley Bill being dealt pass or shoot? I'm definitely I'm going to do my best Bradley Bill impersonation, and I'm shooting that all day. I think mm -hmm. he's I think he gets moved, and I think it's soon, um, or you know at least by the trade deadline for sure. I think he's going to get moved. He, I mean, another forty point performance just last night, and you know if you're listening to this on Dash Radio, it'll be two nights ago. But uh, um, you know they're zero and ten in their last ten games when Bradley Beal scores forty or more, and I don't I don't know of the of a streak like that anywhere else in the league, even close. Uh, it's got to be pretty disheartening and. You know, it's gotten to the point now where it seems like he's going to play his butt off for the first three quarters and and give you 35 shots in those three quarters and then kind of coast through the fourth quarter. And he's starting to get a little demonstrative on the bench at the end of games. He's complaining a lot in the media. And I think he's going to – he's come out and said he doesn't want to be traded. He wants to try to make it work there. And I, I think he's trying to be a little bit more professional than maybe, you know, his counterpart in Houston was earlier this year. Um but I do ultimately think that he does get moved, and I think he 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 deserves a chance to play for a winner because the the kind of numbers he's putting up are just ridiculous. Okay, so you said a couple things that I want to kind of pick your brain on real quick. So mm -hmm. you said his counterpart in Houston. Are you talking about how John Wall did, or are you referring to how James Harden? James, James Harden. Okay. How he when you said counterpart, active. I was like, oh, I thought you were talking about John Wall. Well, I, was like, I just I, meant another disgruntled star that uh, his maybe. Peer. Maybe gotcha. yeah, as peer, maybe that didn't uh, you know go about it the right way. Okay, fair enough. Now you brought up also that zero and ten, you know, for the games that he scored forty or more. There are some people that look at that and say, "Well, Austin, if he's zero and ten scoring forty points or more, why doesn't he give the ball up? What do you? What's kind of the logic or the fallacy in that statement?" Um, 
I can't remember if it was, uh, I think it was your friend from the cleaning the glass podcast that we had on, um, that, uh, said it so eloquently, just go look at the Washington wizards roster. And, you know, there's four or five guys on that roster that I've never even seen before. You know, when, when he had us go do that, I actually went and looked it up when we were on the show with him and it, it did, it made me laugh. There was several names on that roster that, I didn't even know we're NBA players. And I, I honestly, it's one of the few situations where I kind of feel like, you know, who's he supposed to give the ball to? Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody's got to score for that team. And and they're they have several guys on that team that aren't aren't NBA level players, I don't think. And um, so, you know, I don't really fault him much for a lot of the losses. I think he's he's putting up historic numbers in a lot of these losses and just he 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 could give a little bit more effort on defense. I'd like to see that, but it, it you know, it's you mean hard like to give. the four stills that he had the other night? Is yeah. that what you're referring to? Yeah, just like that. There you go. Okay. Still, I just right. It's just you know, one guy can only do so much in the NBA. He's not LeBron that's James. Correct. Yeah, so that's fair. And and the buddy that you were referring to is Zach Ramey, who we had on the show, and yep. he is of the Off the Glass podcast. The glass. I just wanted to make sure that I read that verbatim. I know Zach. I'm glad you, know, you were there to make me to clean up after me <laughs> to clean up your there you, all right anyway um so you're 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 shooting on bradley bill being mm-hmm. dealt okay so do you want to ask me or do you want me to dive into it? do i have yes to ask i will ask you okay. do you sh- shoot or pass bradley bill gets traded by the by the deadline hmm. i too am also going to shoot and i'm sorry that i can't argue with you but uh okay. it, it just it seems like you know this has ran its course even though it's a short sample size with Russell Westbrook and there's been injuries and they've missed a lot of time with COVID protocols and contact tracing and things of the sort. It's he, you, he even said in a press conference when he was asked, you know, kind of like, what's your attitude like? And, you know, are you frustrated? And he said, is the sky blue, you know, kind of a, a rhetorical answer, you know, asking, answering a question with a question, you know, not, not being direct, but he said, as far as, you know, his demonstrative actions on the bench or, you know, on the court, whenever, you know, following a loss, he says, I got to get better at that. I just hate losing. I, I don't know. I feel like that we've kind of got too kind of PC in how we expect players to respond to certain things. I think that there is a level of him that just is mad, that just is frustrated. And I see quotes all the time, you know, free Brad of Bradley Beal. And it's funny to me because you do feel for him, but he did sign the contract. He, you know, a lot of NBA players do this. You grab the bag first, and then if you're not happy, you kind of do whatever you need to do to get moving, right? So he's due to make a lot of money. I'm sure that he would make a lot of money no matter where he went. I And there do seem to be several markets that could pull off a trade to get a Bradley Bill that would be sufficient enough to where D.C. would let them let him let, let that trade happen. There's teams like Miami and Atlanta that would like him. Now, Austin, do you think that he would get traded within the same division of the same conference? Do you think that that the the Wizards want to see him more times than they have to in, in, in the in the course of a regular season or even in the playoffs? I mean, most of the time you would say no, but I think the Wizards are so far from being competitive that they're going to take the best deal they can get wherever it comes from. You know, I don't, I don't think they're they're super worried about Bradley Beal being the reason they don't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals in a couple of years. So, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I would, I, I would like to see him get get moved to a, a contender for sure. You know, one of the top four or five teams would be awesome. Just you know, to kind of balance out power even more and and. I like these arms race kind of deals. Yeah, for sure. And then our buddy Michael, who's been super active in the comments section, says Bradley Bill to the Clippers. The Clippers owner will have no problem going over the tax. The window is closing, and they're about to have to get past the Lakers. Think about it. I have thought about it. I just don't know who they give up. And if they right. give, they don't they have, don't have a lot. To, like they could give up Marcus Morris, and I maybe Lou Patrick Williams? Beverly. Maybe Lou Williams too. So you're talking about who's having three, a, a bad year so far. Who is having a bad year? Had a bad bubble too, actually. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised that they went into the season with him. And we've talked mm-hmm. about that before. But you're talking about it giving would make up sense if they, could get, if they could get him. Yeah, but then what? It'd be hard you know, it'd be hard then who who do you have coming off the bench on that team? 
Yeah, that's what that's what I mean. That they'd they'd have to. It's it's that's what I mean. If it it would make sense for him to go there in terms of the big three that they would have, mm-hmm. but you know, just what are they given Washington that they want? And by the way, the Clippers are playing phenomenally already mm-hmm. the way that they currently they are. are. You they know, are. and back to Bradley Bill on the Wizards, they are not. They're three and eleven so far on the season. They're in last place. And so there are a couple other teams too. One thing that I think, or one team that I think people forget about when they're evaluating trades and stuff, Austin, I kind of post this on Twitter and other social media as well. What do you think about Memphis getting involved for Bradley Bill? And here's kind of my my package that I'm that I might start with. I would give up Brandon Clark. I would give up Desmond Bain, the rookie. I would give up Jonas Valanciunas, Dylan Brooks, three picks and a pick swap. I mean, it would be interesting if if that's the best deal they can get. Then why not? But John Morant and Bradley Beal would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, and, and Jaren Jaren Jackson, Jackson Jr. I was met I, with some resistance saying that that trade would have to include Jaron Jackson Jr. So if that's the case, I would swap Clark. Like you can't take Clark mm-hmm. and Jaron Jackson right. Jr. You can pick one. So I would keep Brandon Clark, which still that would be a pretty fun big mm-hmm. three. I would swap out Bain for, um, you know, Grayson Allen. So you don't get my number one pick from this year, but I would still give you Valanciunas and I would still give you Brooks. I mean, they're, they're getting a a few NBA talent, you know, a few NBA level guys that they can stick into that lineup right now and, and be a little bit more competitive than they are. Plus you get, you know, at least one good young promising player. I'd like it from both sides. You know, I think it's kind of a, a, a win for sure for Memphis, and it's a it's a pretty good deal for. It's hard to ever say it's a win when you're giving up a star player that's yeah. 27 years old, but I mean, it, it wouldn't be bad. I, I like the sound of that for sure. And then, of course, they're in the New York Knicks. You know, everyone was coming into the season saying that you know they were happy that they finally got a front office that are going to develop a team and they're going to build over time. And now that they're a little we're bit clamoring. of success, even now that they're got a little bit of success, these New York Knicks fans that we have come to know and love, Austin, through mm-hmm. off the ball network, now they're saying we got to get you know just give we need somebody. We got to make the playoffs right now. We got to go. Friendly. This is our time. Let's do it. Anybody but Randall, let's go. <laughs> anybody, <laughs> anybody but Randall, and probably quickly. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's Nick fans saying that. And then, obviously, the Atlanta Hawks, I think, could give up a formidable trade package. But then there's the Denver Nuggets, too. So, there, I think there's Miami a sizable Heat. market. Yeah, Miami the Heat. We were just Heat. talking about that. They, they can't score right now. And I know they're shorthanded and they're missing a lot of guys. But uh, the two guys that they seem to be really worried about missing Tyler Hero or losing Tyler Hero and, and Duncan Robinson aren't really – aren't really having the years that they've had the last couple or you know, last year and, and aren't really that being that impressive. And, and they're, they're struggling mightily right now. And it, it kind of is, you know, I know it's early and they've been hurt, but it's kind of starting to feel like one of those moments where Pat Riley makes a big move or you know, feels like he needs to try at least. So maybe mm-hmm. they do something. Yeah. And that, but again, this comes down to do the wizards want to see Bradley bill, against them four times in a row. But again, on NBA, um, on SiriusXM, uh, NBA radio that we listen to, we both listen to it a lot. I was listening to Amin Elisan saying that sometimes the NBA isn't always about doing what's best for the business. You know, especially when you're three and 11, like where else can you go if you're, if you're the Wizards, right? There's also the mindset that you want to make your organization attractive to other people, right? And one of the best ways to do that is to take care of, you know, superstar players. This trading him to where he wants to go, and, and maybe he's already asked too, you know, because he's being demonstrative. You know, they're not doing anything; they're being quiet. Maybe there's already something being kind of worked behind the scenes, and you know, we this could be one of the lone times that an NBA player acts like a, a true professional and just goes out and plays and is awaiting whatever deal comes his way, right? So, right. What do you think of the idea that the Wizards kind of owe this to to Bradley Beal to to move him out instead of keeping him around in a place that isn't going anywhere with him? I think if he asks for a trade, um, I don't see why they wouldn't want to want to facilitate that for him. You know, if he says, "Hey, I don't want to be here. This isn't going to work," I think they know that. You know, as good as Bradley Beal's numbers are, is he a number one guy? I guess not, because He's put up incredible numbers numbers for a couple of years now, and it hasn't meant anything. Well, who's his number two and three? Like you said earlier, you know, like true, true. But do they do they have a clear path to find that for him in the next 
six months to a year? I, I don't think so. So they why just not had get, a, a top ten draft pick, Denny Obdia, and well, and they traded for a former MVP who averaged a triple double three years in a row, and it didn't work. So and he's hurt, yep. and and having one of his worst years of his whole career, mm-hmm. and so I, I don't know. Um, I think they've tried a lot of stuff around him. They tried him and John Wall. They tried just being him. They tried getting some guys in there. It's not Paul like Pierce. they just stood pat, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, he was past his prime, but still, you know. Yeah. He was that when they made that move, they were more at a point where they were like middle of the of the pack in the in the Eastern Conference playoff race every mm-hmm. year, and and were trying to you know find that last piece to get them to the finals. So you know that made sense then for sure. Um, Traded away Otto Porter Jr. I think they've done an awful lot to try to to try to build around him, and whether it's owe it to him or not, if you want to word it that way, sure. But I think if he asks for a trade, it's a perfect opportunity to get a lot in return for him right now and yeah. to try to reset and, and go some, go a different direction. Yeah. Cause he, you know, he's in shape, you know, that he's playing games as soon as for whatever re- after contract tracing and stuff like that are over, he's in games, he's playing, you know, not only all-star level basketball, you know, well, t- we're going to talk about this next week when we start doing our all-star conversations, Bradley built for anybody who is of doubt like they were last season, Bradley Bill is an all-star this year, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, he is. Miss me with the team record stuff. This is an individual accolade for individual performances. We're not voting for an an MVP. He is an all-star this year. He's probably an all-NBA player this year, you know, if if things Mm kind of keep looking the way that they're looking. So this is an individual accolade. Huge amount margin right now. Don't (laughs) don't punish him for the lack of team, the lack of vision, the lack of discipline, and everything else going on. He is an all star. I don't know about you, Stephen, but I uh, I voted for the first time today. I put in my vote today for the all star starters. So I I did too. Once a well, they do have certain days where you can do it twice a day, and you can vote on NBA.com. And then there's also a way that where you can tweet with the hashtag with the player's okay. name, and then hashtag All NBA Vote. So you can do okay. all of that. And uh, at the end of the show, I'm going to you know disclose a project that's up on OffTheBallNetwork.com where you can get all of your sports needs. But want to finish out pass or shoot now. So we sure. both are shooting on Bradley Bill getting the mm-hmm. heck up out of the DMV right now. I sure hope so. I just I hate it. again. He signed a contract. He this is what he signed up for, and he is carrying himself like a professional. So there is that aspect too, to where mm-hmm. you do sympathize for the fact that he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He just mm-hmm. he doesn't like losing. So right. and you can't. And who would? It, we we criticize and here you know if you're gonna blame if you're gonna get upset with the fact that he's mad at losing, then you got to stop with this whole you know everybody like it's not just about acting some sort of way you know you can't get mad at the guys for saying oh they don't want to win but then when you got a guy who wants to win and you know is you know visually upset that he's losing you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth on this i'm sorry i I agree completely (laughs) we'll we'll continue now the battle of the mvp candidates we had lebron james's los angeles like actually i'm sorry austin carr's los angeles lakers going up against Somebody else's Philadelphia 76ers. I don't know who. You actually like them a lot. You, I like them we, too. We had them number one in the Eastern Conference on our big three conference rankings. So we had the battle of the number ones, the Colossus matchup between the best in the NBA, actually, as far as record goes in the Lakers, but obviously mm-hmm. in the Western Conference as well. And then the best of the East with the Philadelphia 76ers. You have, you know, Embiid M- VP on, on the Sixers. And then you have mm-hmm. LeBron James who – arguably is the greatest of all time. Austin, it was a heck of a game. It came down to literally the last shot. Game winner. It came down to the last shot. It was a fantastic matchup. I'm sorry Mm -hmm. that your Lakers lost that game. It was their first road loss on the season. So even though they Mm -hmm. lost, that's still a heck of a feat that they are 10-1 and on the road this year. And But Philadelphia 76ers won this game off of a Seth Curry, Tobias Harris pick and roll. Who would have called that where – you know, Tobias Harris got the matchup against Caruso, mm-hmm. rose up above him, hit the game-winning shot. Anthony Davis had a chance to heave it at half court and, of course, missed. But um, during throughout the course of this game, Austin, we don't we don't have we don't have to go deep, deep, deep into this. But throughout the course of this game, Joe Joel Embiid was cooking. He was going up against your boy LeBron James, and in midair, LeBron James in a non-basketball move 
extends both of his arms and open palms into the midsection of Joel Embiid in midair, falls flat on his back. I don't know if you've heard the audio of the fall. It does not sound oh, yeah. at No, it all. doesn't. It didn't look good at all. I and, actually watched the whole thing live. So Yeah, it, I watched it, it as well, and it was on ESPN, I believe. So mm-hmm. you, we watched it, we heard it, and it took forever to figure out whether or not they were going to assess LeBron James with a, a flagrant foul. Ended up being a flagrant one. Austin, is what do you think of this? I think this is the first time since like 2015 that LeBron James has been assessed for a flagrant foul. Yeah, it was actually it was 2014. Um, I I I think it was definitely a flagrant for sure. Um, it was not a not a basketball move in any kind. You know, it, it, some people I saw were trying to say that oh, you know, he saw Embiid coming at him and kind of braced himself. No, he put his his hands right into his stomach and shoved him. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a flagrant two enough to be ejected from a game? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. I, I well, had pass or shoot. Is it a flagrant two? Pass or shoot? Oh, pass or shoot. Is it a flagrant two? No, I'll shoot. I'll pass. I'll go ahead and pass that. Then I'm, I'm passing that. I don't think it's a flagrant two. I thought it was flagrant one. Um, geez, I'm messing up my own segment, man. Here we go. Come on, man. <laughs> no, um, pass on uh, you right now. I know, and I'm a huge Lakers homer, and I'll probably get killed for this, and I'm sure you want to kill me for this because it's LeBron. But I never want to kill you, bro. If it was the other way around, I would probably feel the same way. And I told you this, and maybe I'm maybe I'm just blind and didn't see didn't see it as as well as I thought I did. But the first time I, I watched it, I yelled at the TV at at Marcus Hall, called it a dirty play on his end. I kind of felt like he put as much force into that forearm he gave him beating the back as LeBron did pushing him. Maybe LeBron pushed him into him and that's why it looked so bad. But one way or the another or the other, it was a dirty play. It was not something that you see normally in a basketball game. Was it excessive to make it a flagrant two? I don't think so. I, I don't think it warranted getting kicked out of a game. And I, I found it funny this morning to see how many of the same, you know, eighties and nineties players that complain about how, soft league back in my day we're the ones saying that lebron should have got kicked out for that so it's like you said you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth so no i'm passing that it was a flagrant too all right i'm shooting i think it is a flagrant too and here's why we we see this in society where pr- certain laws are enforced in different manners depending on age gender race mm-hmm. etc i'm not trying to get into a big philosophical movement here i just think that it correlates well with what we're seeing now per the nba rule book it has to be a non-basketball play and it has to be deemed excessive. That's like a, that's not a definitive word. You know, excessive is a, a matter of perception, mm-hmm. nothing definitive. So leave it into the eye of the beholder. And here's kind of what I think played into this, Austin. It was a nationally televised game. It was on TV. Mm-hmm. It's a battle of the best teams in the Eastern Western Conference, battle of the top two for MVP votes as far as I'm concerned right now. Kicking out LeBron James is like almost it's as that almost it would be like the equivalent of a flagrant against a referee. In the that would be a a brave ref to do that, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. And even though, like, and here's the thing: LeBron James knew that he messed up, Mm -hmm. but because this is what he does, and other players do this too. I'm not going to make this out to be LeBron James saying I'm not a hater. It's just a criticism that I have. I'm allowed to I'm allowed to have a criticism about a player. He will argue the call no matter what. Here, here's what I, if I'm a referee, here's what I would deem excessive. Is that enough to start a fight? Do you think that that would be enough to start a fight? Maybe. I think that with the right team. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now here's the other thing. What if this had been one of the Morris brothers doing this to a player? How do you think that they would have been assessed? That's a good point. He probably, they, it probably would have been looked at differently. Yeah, but is that is it's that a personality like the, is and this is the, my thing? It's a personality. It's deemed excessive. Now, here's I think it was a personality thing. I think mm-hmm. this was it's kind of the the benefit of driving to the basket and flailing. Not every, only superstars get that call. Really, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to see Grayson Allen attack the basket and flail and get that call every time. It's just not going to happen. Right. But like if Steph Curry drives to the basket and flail, he, <laughs> more often than not a foul is going to be called, right? So Mm -hmm. since it was LeBron James, and again, you know, just because he has never, like he hasn't done a flagrant since 2014, the fact that he did one in 2014 shows that he's capable. You know what I mean? So like he has that in him to make that decision, albeit it's few and far between. 
And I think that too, and Joel Embiid even after the game said, if it were me, it would have been called the other way. And I wholeheartedly agree. I think mm-hmm. it's a flagrant too, not only for the fact that he through what happened throughout the course of the action, but also the fact if you watch, he stares him down. Like he didn't even like, I was going to say that's the part that looks bad is when he afterwards he looked back and kind of glared at him on the floor and didn't, didn't even offer him. to help him up or anything. And you see LeBron help guys up all the time, you know, yep. when he's when he's not really trying to do something. So maybe maybe you have a good point there. I think I do have a good point. As smart as you are you and as I great as you you've too. been as great as you've been tonight, I think that you're wrong on this one. That's okay. Everybody's mm-hmm. wrong every once in a while. So. I'm willing to concede once in a while when I, <laughs> you know when it seems fair. So there we have it, LeBron James. You have been retroactively assessed a flagrant to you by the break in the Take game. Out. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You will be penalized to the maximum percent of our authority. So mm-hmm. there you, know, you go. We'll see. You to heard it. it here first, or twentieth. I don't know, but you heard it here at some point. I'm sure it's been brought up somewhere else. But Austin, right. man, great show today. Yeah, you awesome too. ideas. I really appreciate you know the creativity that you bring to the table before we get out of Thank here tonight, you. man. Just want to give you the opportunity to plug yourself. We got a couple minutes, so we'll get through this. Well, this is uh, this was a lot of fun episode for sure. You know, I I don't want to take you know more credit than than I'm due. They are a couple of things that I came up with, and and Stephen, you're normally the the guy to do all the hard work and come up with what we're going to talk about. So. So I appreciate all the effort and you know hard work you put in the show. So it's it's nice to get to get my my thoughts out there once in a while. Not that I don't. Not that I don't every episode. I definitely say more than my fair share most times we're on the air together. But uh, you know th- th- this was fun, and I'm I'm actually because of this episode and the way things kind of fell, I'm really excited for what we have coming up next. So. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna have our all star discussion starting yeah. through our next episode, but um. We just want to thank you guys so much for tuning into the Breaking the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Yes. Just a couple quick little things on my end. I did unveil my Eastern and Western Conference All-Stars, and this is based on the voting format in the NBA. Originally in the West, I wanted to have Lillard, you know, Steph Curry, and Luka Doncic all in my starting lineup, and unfortunately, for some reason, the NBA said Luka Doncic cannot be graded as a forward so he did not make my starting lineup. If you're mm-hmm. mad, you should see it. the rest of the stuff that I have on that lineup. I didn't do it to be polarizing. I put in a lot of time, effort, and energy into that. My Eastern Conference All-Stars, I think it's – the Eastern Conference is pretty unanimous from all the other votes that I've seen. But um, all of those are available on offtheballnetwork.com where you can go all of your sports needs. But for my awesome co-host, Austin Carr, for myself – for the Breaking the Game show for OffTheBallNetwork.com. For the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio, we have been the Breaking the Game show. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. Thank you for everyone who watched the live show. Thank you for everyone who's listening on the radio. Thank you, Stephen, for doing all this hard work and doing such a great job. And thank you for thanking me. (laughs) But all right, we're going to get out of here, guys. Thank you guys so much. We'll catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one. Thank you.